Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Oh, now they need to see my birth certificate. Hmm. Honey, where do we keep the birth certificates? Why? Buying socks. Socks. I'll check upstairs. It's easy to be unsafe online. You're the best. Now it's easy to help protect yourself. Norton 360 with LifeLock gives you device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection. All in one. Opt in to cyber safety. Save 25% or more off your first year at norton.com slash news. Thank you, studio audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. Have a little more time so I can pause a little bit more <laughs> to say everything I want to get out. And one thing, a couple of things I've been forgetting, and then I want to make sure I say them now as far as... If you want to connect with us on social media, it should be pretty basic. I should say this all the time, but I've been kind of neglecting that past couple episodes, trying to make sure I get all the interviews in. But if you want to connect with us on social media, it is all the same name, Trend Chat 24-7. That is for the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also on YouTube. Now, the program is actually is on SoundCloud. SoundCloud right now, and we are working to get on iTunes and iHeartRadio um, as soon as we get approval, uh, some approval for those, uh, we will definitely let you know. And also, want to talk about a a group called the Founding Project and their mission um, for. Uh, an upcoming website but right now they are on facebook as a uh, facebook group so if you just search the founding project on facebook you should be able to find them um, quite easily and um, their mission is basically just to educate citizens on the founding of our nation whether it's just knowing more about the constitution the declaration of independence um, I don't know if they get as far as into the Federalist Papers or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, and this whole week being about CPAC, and I know I mentioned before I went to CPAC and that I can definitely see them fit right in. 
especially down in the CPAC hub, with, which is basically the exhibit hall. And I could see them fitting right in there, just um, with uh, with materials and whatnot. On I can even imagine some of them speaking. So, um, as I said before, they are putting together a website, and then it should be launched sometime soon. Um, hopefully, maybe get uh, one of them on on the show and have them to explain more, give more details. Of, about well, what they're looking to do and what they're looking to accomplish um, with this website. So I just want to give them a shout out. Um, I've been rushing, trying to get through all, all, make sure all the interviews get in within the time frame. I remember one episode I noticed that I got cut off like right at right at the end. But hey, I'm like I said, like I said, I'm learning all this when it comes to editing and everything but i'm learning all this on the fly but i am learning somewhat quickly at least basic stuff so um i'm able to you know cut some things at least a little bit uh i mean I, i'm definitely i'm no expert by no means <laughs> i am very I, I know just enough just enough to get this on <laughs> on the internet that's about it most of this is kind of it's a lot of it is self-explanatory i kind of can grasp some things so i'm able to get enough for you to hear it <laughs> so um but i'm going to keep trying to learn little things here and there so um we have three segments i'm so it's not so much interviews me interviewing someone for two of them it is that one of them is a segment from another podcast called The Reactionary Times who interviewed me to talk about various things and just kind of promoting trend chat. Um, I didn't do many interviews. Matter of fact, I only did two. That one was with them and another one was with the World News Daily uh, with Alicia Poe. And that was on camera. I, I haven't looked for it. but So I'm going to play The Reactionary Times um, interview later and um also i just uh want to appreciate uh, uh uh julio rivera matter of fact if if it wasn't for his suggestion to do a podcast you wouldn't be hearing me right now so um i'm thankful for him to for his insight and for uh for him for giving the suggestion to do something like this so um and I just want to want to give him a shout out as well. So uh, I want to get into the interviews now. Um, the first interview is with uh, two sisters that I good friends with, and anyone that is looking for media strategy or web design or graphic design. I mean, you if you get this these two sisters with you, you you would have no problem being successful in whatever you're trying to do um and they're gonna go in depth as far as what they what they do if you were a client of theirs and kind of get kind of to help the person as far as if um if they want to know more as far as wanting uh, it gets want their services to help them in whether in in media strategy or in um just uh graphic design or web design so um, here's my interview with them. 
Hello, this is uh, Politichicks.com. My name is Brian Bledsoe. I'm here at CPAC, and I am pleased to have, um, well, one graphic designer and one media strategist. And the graphic desi designer is Anna Maria Hoffman, and her sister, being the media strategist, is Gabriella Hoffman. How are you two doing? We're doing great. Thank you for having us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. So, I just wanted to ask, especially, well, this one is for Gabby, as a media strategist. Now, if I was a client, like if you had a client here at CPAC, what would be your strategy? A client here hmm, at CPAC, well, I'd want to get them as much exposure on Radio Row as possible if they wanted to supplement um, their experience at CPAC, hopefully try to secure a speaking slot for them if they had the ability to do so, or even just to host some sort of mixer, like a meet and greet if they were well known or prominent, just to get as much exposure and interaction with their fans or audience um, as best as possible. But it's a multitude of things. If they if they have a book or if they have a radio show or something, it's all going to be fine-tuned to what their specialty is. So I wouldn't just throw all these ideas. I would specialize it according to what... Oh, oh hey. Oh, sorry about that. That was someone randomly shouting at us. Uh, um... And so... Y'all are rock stars, I understand. Oh, sure, sure. We're very humble about that. Uh, but no, back to the subject. So, obviously, depending upon how the person was positioned, whether if they already if they had a show, a blog, or if they're prominent, um, it depends upon what they want to do. And I would advise them according to their needs, not like what I think would be best. But I could also have my recommendations. But I would say, okay, what would get you the most exposure with the least amount of money spent, um, or the least amount of time wasted? and make sure they maximize their experience at CPAC. That's what we want to do. Even as someone who's a regular event goer to CPAC, you want to make sure they plan accordingly, they meet the right people, maximize their presence, accomplish what they want to accomplish, and have a good time too. It's not just about work. It's also about enjoying the experience or media experiences that they partake in. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure whoever's client that you will have will definitely be will benefit from your advice. So, so Anna Maria? Hi. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> No problem. So, uh, I got carried away. <laughs> so I know uh, I noticed that you did a seminar with Leadership Institute about mm -hmm. um, called Thinking Like a Designer. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yeah. So I was asked to uh, discuss about my process as a graphic designer. Um, talk about how I get leads. Um, how I draft my contracts. So this was really geared uh, for people who are at state nonprofits, and they have you know some elementary knowledge of Photoshop and Illustrator. But this was designed to help them take that to the next level, um, either in their capacity working for a nonprofit or you know as an independent person. So just basically helping them take that knowledge that they've gained from another LI training and, and apply it even further. Okay. Now. Um, um, here's a, a little experiment that I want to ask both of you. Sure. So, given I have a media strategist and a graphic designer, yes. I just want to, let's say if I was a client, huh? I have a 15-minute podcast, and I just need your services, given if I could afford you, but <laughs> <laughs> just give like a, I guess, a quick consult as far as what you would ask of me and how it would go. 
Sure. Well, obviously, we do free consultations for prospective clients. Yes. And we want to, we do initial research on someone. We ask them, just tell us kind of what your spiel is, what you're looking for, and what you're hoping to get out of working with us. Because it helps us and it helps the prospective client to know how we can make both needs fulfilled easily. So when I look for a client, I want to make sure that they're serious. They have potential to grow, and if not already established presence, but a very high likelihood of growing. And so for someone like you, like podcasters, you already have connections in conservatism and in the movement. And so just figuring out like who else to connect you with strat- strategically and to who to get your podcast to or your writing and, and kind of target you there or help you kind of target your stuff more and work on social media, whether it's a combination of ads, um, using hashtag strategy that can also very much help. So we would fine tune, um, your strategy depending upon your needs, whether you need traditional or, uh, social media, uh, work. And so we would, um, obviously do the consultation, see where you need help with, um, figure out ideas and, and brainstorm how to help you improve or get you on the path to a strategy that works well for your messaging online and with the help of traditional means too and whether it would be take a month just to get you kind of focused or like okay I know where I'm going because I've worked with some clients who are like you know you actually just gave me reassurance this month that we work together I actually don't need you anymore and thank you and so like I did my job I helped someone you know even if it was a short term experience some people need help a little longer just to figure out what they want to do um, rather than just me and we wouldn't make sure that like I'm holding your hand like we would make sure that you're being proactive on social media not just me managing social media because so many people do social media work and it's someone else managing for them and if they're too busy to even invest in that it's not going to work well for them so I try to give a hands-on experience or hands-on work with uh, clients too I, I make them be as active as I could be let's say if I were running the show full-time for them so we would try to make sure all clients are proactive whether they're doing social media or traditional media so making sure that they know who to target what to target and using as limited resources as possible so we try to make it cost effective too so I know that's so much to talk about but we would tailor it to your needs and make you succeed as best as possible and reference a lot of articles and blogs and other free resources for you to use it and guide you as to how we can message you effectively okay I was just saying as far as design so if I yeah. get, get everything together what what would you recommend for me sure um, well first of all I generally have a phone call or if they're local we have an in-person meeting and I, I learn more about what they're looking for um, and I I typically have them uh, go over with me a design brief which is a questionnaire and I gauge things like uh, the history of their company if, if there is one um, who their target audience is what style they like and don't like um, so I guess for logo design I have a very formal process and I'm happy to elaborate on that so after we sign a contract together for something like that I'll go over uh, I'll present some mood boards to these people um, and basically those are just compilations of existing brands or uh, styles or of different types of logos or elements or colors to help gauge you know what they're looking for in their own piece um, and then after that, I will typically send like two to three drafts um, of a of the logo, uh, see which one they like, um, have them finalize that. They can demand at most two changes to the content layout and so forth of the, 
of the design. If they go beyond that, it's going to be a $50 uh, per hour rate, um, simply because uh, time is money and you have to be very efficient. Um, and so that kind of helps people understand that, yes, I'm serious and I mean business. So <laughs> yes. So then after all that's kind of done, after we've finalized the design um, and cho chosen you know, the colors, then um, you know, I'll, have, uh, I'll present the final deliverables, uh, the final fi uh, formats, you know, the, the file formats that they will need, of course, uh, to, for the project. Um, whether that be in print or digital, um, I will deliver it to them. But that, of course, is only available to them once they've paid you know, the full price. I typically have people pay a 50% down payment. Uh, first, and then you know, pay the rest towards the end because that just you're more serious. You, you get the job done, and yes, you should be paid for your time to like research things because yes. that's all part of the process, um, and it's important for people to understand that uh, if they're working with me. So and so and. And you're also talking about as far as, uh, I guess, website design as well? That, that yeah. Goes yeah, I have, like, a different process for that. Um, generally, we iron out a work scope before, and then I'll put that in the contract. So everything is crystal clear. And, of course, the contracts that I have for different types of projects are different, of course. Uh, but they all include, like, protective clauses and things like that that I need. Um, just in case something crazy happens, you have to be smart and protect yourself. Um, but that also makes it crystal clear to people like what your rules are, um, how you operate, and all of that. Um, so yeah, generally with like I mentioned before, a work scope, have that contract signed. If we proceed, you know, then I'll I'll consistently update them on like what is needed for the site. Like we'll go over the work scope again, and I'll say, hey, I need for this amount for this. For this amount, of course, I'll need this amount of information or this type of copy or these type of images um, or these social media links for you if I'm linking to their social media channels. So I'm very detail-oriented regardless of whether or not I'm doing graphic or web design. And, um, yes, the, the, process, uh, the processes for both types of projects are different, of course, and they have different requirements, but um, there are some similarities as well. So. Okay. Well, you know what? If well, if I could, I would hire you right now. Uh, well, thank <laughs> so, you. So uh, we would want to, yeah. Anyone out there who's listening, who wants effective conservative consultants, who are not going to give put you on a goose chase, essentially, and not lead you on or try to take money from you and not provide any product or work ethic. Um, it's just a matter of trying to place our values into action. So many people do not do that, and that's why we're trying to set ourselves apart. Not necessarily being explicitly political, we still are very conservative, but we're trying to work with people trying to put our values into action without having to be so traditional about it, I guess. Yeah, and I would also say, I mean, I think the most important thing that we're doing is, of course, what Gabriela has been saying, but I think it's very important to support conservatives in the private sector, especially yes. in a niche uh, markets like gun shops and uh, pro-life pro uh, crisis pregnancy centers, yes. uh, those type of entities that I, especially from my own point of view, I see that they are lacking in the design uh, type of thing. The, the branding is kind of lacking because um, they've been ignored. So I think it's very important to help those people out with their branding so they can look sharp and uh, co be competitive with their competitors, of course, and obviously to help tell their story through visual means. 
Okay. So, um, anything coming up for both of you? I'm going to be doing some, I'm doing a training actually in Los Angeles next week with um, the big chapter of the Republican Women's Federated Club. It's a very big group of women and I'm talking about how to use effective marketing to appeal to millennials um, with respect to conservatism. So I'm going to teach them how to market effectively to millennials on how to get them to to support conservative ideas. So that's going to be really fun and I'm going to document that on my social media so uh, anyone listening can tune in there and I'll definitely send it your way, Brian, and maybe some tips will be useful there and then uh, I'm doing a few other speaking engagements um, one at American University so I'll reveal where and what I'll be doing um, regarding that in a few weeks once I get it confirmed but I will be speaking at American University on a really cool topic um, that's not really discussed much on college campuses so it's going to be really good yeah um, I don't do as many trainings as Gabriella does uh, (laughs) except probably for earlier this week but I anticipate more coming down the pipeline Uh, in my case I I've just been getting a lot more uh, both website and graphic design projects. A lot of the graphic design projects that I have been receiving are logo designs, Uh, but I also do, you know, like flyers and social media graphics and those types of things. So I'm currently going to be, well, I will be working with a uh, tactical uh, shop here in the Northern Virginia area um, to redesign his website. That's one thing I do besides creating new websites is redesigning them. Um, and I've also spoken to people in other countries as well, and I'm hoping to continue the conversation with them and hopefully lock down those projects. But it's uh, it's very exciting to work and communicate with uh, people who are conservative in other countries who are doing really wonderful things in their local communities or for you know the areas that they live in, of course. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I'm up to. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, and um, I, I get like I said, anyone that is looking for any any sort of what is media strategy or graphic design, give them a holler. So, um, this is Politics, and my my name is Brian Bledsoe, and uh, thank you. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> oops, and oh, also, and thank thank you to Anna Maria and Gabriella. Uh, for uh, um, I guess for really um letting everyone know, especially so if you're out there, and like I just said um in the interview, if you or you know someone that is um looking for the, for help as far as you know in media strategy or someone's needing some help as far as graphic design and and website design. Um, definitely give, you know, give them a holler, like I said in the interview, and, um, they, they, they are very professional, um, conservative, and, and like I said before, you can't go wrong with them, I mean, they're, they're gonna do the job right, and when, when I say right, also mean right as far as ideology to the right so anyway uh the next in um well the next segment is an interview i i did with the reactionary times um in this segment i was talking with justin dickerson and um and we i think it was about about 15 minutes and we just talked about a number of issues about um, at that time, I think CPAC was close to the end. I, I know it was the last day, and um, 
we just uh, got to talking a little bit about about this show and uh, some things that I've talked about on on here before. So, uh, so here's the segment. Back, everybody. Welcome back. Now, Julio's going to take off for a second. He needs to uh, do what he's got to do. And uh, I'm Justin Dickerson. They call me Tricky Dick from Freedom on Deck here helping out with the Reactionary Times. And at this very moment, we're going to bring on Brian Bloodsoe. He's a writer for the Politichicks, and also uh, you can catch him at Trenchat uh, trend uh, two four seven, and that's what your your uh, Twitter feed. Matter of fact, it's, it's Trenchat twenty. I just said twenty four seven because okay. um, when I was looking for the website, someone already had Trenchat, and you know I was like, well, it's twenty four seven because it's basically just me. So yeah. I'm you know I'm me twenty four seven. So I just said, all right, Trenchat twenty four seven dot com. So I really I and now it, uh, well. Everything is Trend Chat 24-7. Um, the Twitter, the mm-hmm. Instagram, the mm-hmm. YouTube, mm-hmm. and the um, Facebook. I'm trying to think of all of them. But, yeah, so I, everything is Trend Chat 24-7. So it's totally locked down. Yes. You, you have the conglomerate. Great. Oh, yeah. that's, ex- that's exciting stuff. So we're here, CPAC 2017, and I want to go over the temperature that you felt, Media Row, as far as the whole convention, because it hasn't really been talked about a lot on the radio, but the difference between this year and last year during the election cycle and how hostile it was here last year and this year, it seems like everybody is everyone else's best friend. Now, Brian, what do you feel on this? Well, I was here last year. Actually, last year was my first year. That was my, actually was the subject of my first article with, Polit- with Politichicks was um, about being here for the first time. And, yeah, it was it was mad, madhouse in here. I mean, you had every, uh, well, I can't remember how many candidates at that time that was that came to speak. But I know, um, I know Donald Trump didn't come last year. But, uh, right. yeah, everyone, yeah, it was, everyone was constantly, constantly, uh, I guess, optimistic. Um, as far as because they kind of didn't know what was going to happen in the future, being coming up in November, so but everyone was here and everyone and all the whether you had a pack or just the campaigns themselves, they was all in the exhibitor hall and they was so they was everywhere. Now this year, in comparison, well, everyone is basically falling in line because it's you know they they know they have someone in the White House. At least whether they agree with them wholeheartedly or maybe they just, you know, are somewhat skeptical. But they know that they at least have some someone that will at least listen as opposed to the past eight years where, you know, it was no point even trying to even go to the White House because he doesn't care about what you think. Right. Well, with with Donald Trump in the beginning of the this this critical hundred days, um, we're seeing a whole lot of executive action to change a lot of things going on. We know Barack Obama. um was a stalwart on that because uh, in certain areas he did not want to even work with Congress. Are you concerned by the amount of executive orders right off the bat that Donald Trump is setting into action? Or do you believe that this is trying to roll back and fix the things that were shoved down the American people's throat? Now, as far as, um, I guess, executive orders now, well, I think it's for one, it sets the tone. 
So in that in that sense, I, I agree because basically, like you said, he is taking you know setting back all the things that Obama threw at us all through the past eight years. So basically, it's what he what President Trump is doing now with the executive orders is basically just letting everyone know, like he said um, yesterday, he was that he's keeping his promises. Now, Absolutely. now the thing about it now, I do now when it comes to these orders, as much as maybe everyone maybe loves all these executive orders. Um, Personally, I want I want all of this to be backed up by legislation. Yes, and that's important. So, so I mean, everything that he's doing that's great. But if if you if not passing law, and that's where it comes to Congress, where they need to need to just well get more. It's funny because we talk about backbone. Yeah. I mean, the past eight years, you've been having Republicans basically saying like, "Look, I mean, you know, we had the if we had the White House, well, um, we can do so much more." All right, you got a, you got a Republican in the White House. What are you doing? Well, yeah, well, let's let's take a look at the previous administrations as well, and that would be the two terms. Now you get the House, okay? The Republicans are popping off. <laughs> Here we go. Here it comes. Nothing. Then you got House Senate. Nothing. You got the full Congress. You couldn't do anything. Now you have the presidency. Now, the, the thing that gets me is that you're asking for all of this ammunition, but when it comes down to drawing down on per- perceivably uh, evil that's going on in our country in some way, shapes, or forms to the American people, you're not pulling the trigger. You're not cocking back. You're not even putting a half cock on your hammer and, to take care of business. I, I mean, and now the excuse they're using now is that, well, we don't want to be um, too, I guess we don't be too toxic for re-election coming up in 2018. <sighs> so now so now they was like, okay, we you know, we need the Congress, we need the White House, but now all of a sudden, well, we, we don't want to alienate anybody that's, um, sure. you know, wanting to vote for us and things yeah. like that. Like, for one thing, the people that you think that's going to alienate you, they're not going to vote for you anyway, because it's kind of like these town halls. You got people that are coming out, you got people protesting, and then all of a sudden, like, well, um, we don't want to, we don't want to offend them. You know what? They're not going to vote for you anyway. So why are you worried about them? And there's districts. I, I, I'll tell you, I'll share with this with you. I'm from the East End of Long Island, and I did, I voted in District 32, and District 32 is basically a hamlet of Southampton town, and it's just outside of Sag Harbor, very bougie. A, a little little baby town. You said bougie, bougie. Okay. Yeah, and I was thinking about that, that song, "Bad and Bougie." But oh. <laughs> I know I about say, it, but I heard about it so much. I was I was about I was about to go you know into it. I was going to do a little bougie bonton impression, but I'm not going to do that. I'll just infuriate the masses. But in these districts, you're not going to be able to change the mass of them. You can change one or two, or you can actually get them to double-think themselves. You know, reassess your stance. Now, what happens here is that in that district, there were 3,500 people that voted in the district. It was 62% Clinton. And as you went around that area, it was the same mantra. You're going to miss those areas. Why do you think Hillary Clinton stumped where she stumped? Because she knew she can get the, all the votes there. And Trump stumped where he stumped. Because he knew he can get all those votes there. My thing is, is that you can only do so much in so much time. And to change people's minds, you have to kind of get the herd to move. You're not going to be able to get one sheep and make a difference. You have to have the herd move now. And you have, for, for, for the president... I give him one year to start moving herds that aren't in his backyard or are fenced in with him. He can't just keep going to the same pool. 
and think he's going to progress because there's going to be a pushback. People like I, I have I have other people that I work with, and they believe that the Democratic Party has completely shot their foot off. Not shot themselves in the foot, but the foot's gone. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, no, what they've done is that they've retreated, and they're in the caves, or they're in their palaces, and they're planning. And this pushback, whether it be Hillary Clinton, 20, or Michelle Obama in 20, I mean, it's very dangerous. I do not believe... In my soul, and I, and this is going to piss off a lot of conservatives, that if Trump doesn't make some kind of turn, and I don't mean turning left, I mean he makes a turn, he, he, he becomes more translucent with his speech, he gives us more details, he lets us in. The people who are running this country lets us in and lets us know rather than these huge generalizations. Yeah. Like with immigration, you're still generalizing things. Let us know. You can trust us. We voted you in. Trust us, and we will give you the keys. But we gave you the keys, but there's still one more door you need to open, and that's the rest of the country. I think it's very important, and I think that you're exactly right. They're so scared to piss one person off. But sometimes you got to break eggs to make an omelet, right? Yeah, I'm, and that's the, that's the thing. When you're sitting there... Going when you're at these town halls, or when you have, um, I guess basically a fear of, uh, as of what's going to happen because of maybe just even supporting whatever President Trump is doing right now to offend a group of, uh, I guess, a group of people that wasn't well, like I said, wasn't going to vote for you anyway, didn't vote for you before, right? And so, but you're going to listen to them at this by doing that, you're alienating the people who did vote for you. But the people who who, you're, who you think you're going to alienate need to understand it. And, and I, I mean, this is mental maturity kind of thing mm-hmm. for me. Because I run dead middle. I take the left and I take the right and I, I I score it, you know, like Olympics. I take the highest out, I take the lowest out, I put it together. And then I put it into my brain, my heart, and then I do my research. I do my research. Now, I'm not going off of just things that are blasted. I'm not just going off of what my friends believe. I sit there and I, I, I literally, to my best friends, Chet and Brian from FOD, I challenge them at every point to change their thinking. Shoot all the angles before you shoot your mouth off. And that was my father. That was that. Was that and, and my father's liberal. He's saying take a look at it fully and then use your heart and your mind to make your decision. That's the only one that matters. But because there's so much pack mentality, click mentality, take a look at where we are right now. We're in a very specific click. And everybody thinks. But as I, you know, my perception of coming here, everybody thought the same way. They were staunchly right, 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 right. No. There's there's colors of of progressive in them that... Do they want to admit it or not? That's up to them. Yeah. And that's my feeling. But, I mean, this this is going to be important. This year is kind of like the big sigh of relief, I think, of CPAC. Next year is going to be rough. Well, we're going to be, well, basically ramping up into the into the midterms. So. Yes, yeah. So, I, I, was, I would say maybe probably be more um, as far as, I guess, as far as people and that's wanting to, I guess, campaign somewhat, somewhat. So, I guess it would probably be more in that sense that people wanting to, I guess, I, I guess want to. Some might be out there trying to outright challenge 
President Trump, especially by that time. By that time, you have about a year. And so people might have your, I guess, your establishment going to really be out there, especially if, it, if his approval numbers are going going low. They're going to be really out there. Then. Don't worry about approval numbers in your first 100 days. That's my, That's I mean, from what it, from from the people that I that I live around, they are going to dump on him 175 percent the whole way through. There's not they're not in any way, shape, or form are they ever going to turn a corner or even look around it. So I want to change gears with you real quick. What's up? I was reading on Thursday that the foreign minister of Mexico is now saying he's going to bar and deny anyone illegal immigrants or not that we're deporting from America, that they don't have to take them back or they will not take them back, which I feel is absurd. And it makes me feel that Donald Trump was right. Mexico actually was sending their worst. And I, I mean, this is this is kind of satirical a little bit. I'm, I'm playing some jest here. Yeah. But I mean, there's some truth to that. And I would like to hear your stance on this mass deportation um, theory at this point and the orders that Obama has left behind for ICE as far as those raids that happened uh, last week and the, and the week before. Now, um, that's something I mentioned on my, on my podcast uh, probably last last week. And, and for me, when I, when I talk about immigration, the analogy that I make is about basically everyone understands how it is to live in a building or in a house. Now, I didn't get too much into the analogy because it took like 10 minutes of me rambling about that. But basically, <laughs> I mean, you know about walls. The people that want to get upset about, oh, you can't put up a wall. Do you live in a house, sir? Ma'am. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> So it, I mean, it's the most simple, basic analogy that I can make. So I always just so anyway. That's the that's the analogy that I'm making as far as now, as far as what you mentioned, I haven't heard about that. So and when um, as far as not wanting to take the illegal immigrants from that are being deported, so I I'm trying to think. I, I don't know much about immigration law, but the fact that that they don't want to take them, then um, they're not doing the, their citizens any good. Because no, you going to leave them out there? There's your love. There's your love from your, you know, from your country. Okay, so you have, you have your citizens, right? That that have been denied from a country. We're not not going to talk about the United States, just any country, right? And they need to come back, and you're going to tell them, no, we don't want you back. So, so like I said, what is that? Like what is the, what is the love like you said for that? Like you don't care about the citizens then, right? Well, we'll leave that with the masses that are listening, and thank you for tuning in to Spreaker for the Rationally Times Radio. We have Brian Bloodsoe here from Politichicks, uh, uh, and how, how? Once again, tell them the feeds that we can find you. So trendchat twenty four seven dot com, and also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube is all the same name. Trendchat twenty four seven. Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. Thank you for all your information. And we're going to go do a quick break, and we'll be right back with more from Reactionary Times. Back, everybody. All right. I got to get a hang of hang of some of this. All right. Um, yeah, that was my segment with uh, with Reactionary Times. And 
Uh, that was a fun segment and next, talking about immigration. And if you have been listening to the previous episodes, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, immigration uh, and the, the analogy that I make. I think that's episode four. Actually, uh, maybe it's three. I don't know. Maybe you should listen to all of them and then find find it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But I do. Uh, I just want to make sure I get to the last interview of CPAC was with uh, Chris Malagisi. Uh, he was at. Uh, he's the organizer uh, for the. I guess the post CPAC party, which is called Reagan Palooza. And at the, the end of this, this will be all the interviews. And once again, if you want to listen, to, uh, listen to us, um, on Spreaker, it's here on trend chat and we're going to get straight to the interview. <laughs> Should have done this a half an hour before. This is politicians.com. This is Brian Bledsoe. I'm here with uh, Chris Melagisi. Yes. And um, you're with um, Young Young Conservatives Coalition. All right. And I am here at Rega Palooza. Now, did I even say that correctly? Reagan Palooza. Reagan Palooza. That's right. it. Thirteenth annual Reagan Palooza. And you have been the organizer of all thirteen. All thirteen. So, what was the idea of, of um, putting this together? Well, we always wanted to get our friends together at least once a year. Um, I'd worked in the 2004 uh, Bush campaign and had a lot of friends that were coming in for CPAC in 2005, and we wanted to get just get our friends together. We all had an affinity towards Reagan, and we wanted to celebrate that. And thirteen years. Later, we're Later, now we've got Dog the Bounty Hunter coming to Reagan Palooza. So, uh, so how has it grown since the first one? We had forty people in our apartment, um, just to, just our close friends, and the next year was eighty people. The next year after was two hundred fifty. I think CPAC is is very has evolved over time. Uh, they didn't used to do a lot of these kind of uh, gatherings and parties at CPAC. Now it's commonplace, but um, we, we also wanted to recognize Ronald Reagan and all his um, achievements. A lot of people, especially young people, did not live through the Reagan administration, so this would be, if this is one little way in which they can recognize Reagan, we do a lot of stuff with the hit, with the uh, Reagan Foundation and Library. We try to link to a lot of their stuff so people can get, get, get educated about his administration, and we hope that legacy lives on, and small, hopefully we're a small part of that, at least. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many people actually were here tonight? Uh, we sold out tonight. We had over 600 people sign up. We actually had to stop selling tickets because there was uh, we're going to bust the fire code. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm guessing you were at CPAC. I was at CPAC. And um, how many CPACs have you been to? Thirteen. Oh, okay. All right. So, so from that point, you, from starting Rega Palooza, and you've been coming ever since. Locked in arms. So, tell me more about the, the organization um, in general. So, the Young Conservatives Coalition is a young professional networking group for center-right conservatives in D.C. primarily. We host different events throughout the year: Reagan Palooza, the Buckley Awards, um, in honor of William F. Buckley Jr., the National Review founder. Um, try to honor um, five young professional conservatives that done a big thing in the movement in the last year. You know, a lot of times you see a lot of kind of the gray hairs or uh, get all the attention and. Really 
really the people behind the scene that work in this town are the young professionals. They're the ones that get stuff done. Uh, so we host job fairs, education seminars, a lot of professional development work. And uh, But this Reagan Plus is our biggest fan of the year by far. Okay, so, um, so what do you think of, thought of well, CPAC? I thought CPAC was very interesting this year. I, I joked with somebody that the last eight years at CPAC, it seemed like a great big group therapy for getting through the Obama administration. And this year was very different. I thought it was a different vibe. I thought there was a lot of people that were excited, cautiously optimistic, uh, willing to give Trump a chance that not everybody at CPAC you know, necessarily embraced Trump in the beginning. And it seemed like people were excited. So... Ask me in a year from now. <laughs> it might be a different CPAC. Who knows? You know, um, I was here last year. That was my first one. So the mood I was kind of noticing from last year, I was using the same word, constantly optimistic from last year because people didn't really know, kind of wondering, like, uh, we don't know who's, you know, who's going to win and if we, we have to worry about Hillary. Now it's kind of the same kind of feeling, but also more excitement and kind of, like I said before, like a celebratory mood. So. You know, I think a lot of conservatives look at Trump, and maybe many of them were hesitant at first. Even I was. I mean, a lot of people were, because he just wasn't the typical type of politician that we're used to. But I always say there's kind of like the shiny object that every the media and fake news is focused on, and then there's the real stuff that's going on. And you look at his big decisions. Mike Pence is VP. Very conservative cabinet. You know, the executive orders are course corrections from the Obama administration and relatively conservative. So, so far, so good. And and um, he's got a great team of people that I hope can, can they continue uh, pushing a conservative agenda. So, uh, one question I've, I've asked everyone is, um, me and Will, we just finished with the Conservative Political Action Conference, and I've always asked, uh, so what does the word conservative mean to you? You know, it's a great question. Um, I think an in, even more interesting question is what are conservatives inherently trying to conserve? Hence the, the name and the root of the word. And I think if you asked a conservative, a conservative would say that uh, you're conserving the American founding principles, American exceptionalism, the idea that America is a unique chapter in the annals of human history and that the ideas of a, a free market, traditional values, uh, strong national defense, limited government, uh, less taxation. It's a very new thing in, the, in human history to have something like that. And conservatives um, embrace that. We're, it's an experiment, uh, the American experiment, and we embrace that as something unique and different. Not perfect, but the best thing that's out there, and we want to try to conserve that as much as possible. Yeah, and um, so do you have anything coming up? Uh, we're we're going to probably have a few more events coming up, professional networking, get some people jobs in the administration, and we're going to try our best doing that. All right, so I'm here at Reagan Palooza, and actually the location is like right across the street from the White House. I can see it from right here, so um, it's a, that's one way to getting people over here. They'll probably walk over there, you know, especially after getting a few in them, they might go over there and say, well, it's our house, and might so, yeah, try to knock on the door and might get talk about Secret Service, but, you know. Well, you know, so the tagline is making America great again for Trump. We like to think of ourselves as keeping Reagan great again every year. All right, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED 
lack of blood flow. So it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700.